As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The Champions League is back and to be fair, so is the Europa League, Man United fans, which means there's no better time to sign up for all the unrivaled coverage at The Athletic. Right now, new subscribers can get a half-price annual subscription that works out less than £1 a week for an entire year. All you have to do is head to theathletic.com slash totally. But hurry, you've only got until the 25th of February. That's theathletic.com slash totally. Totally Football Show European Edition today. Atleti, PSG, Bayern. What made the big names tumble? Milan derby. Romelu doing his talking on the pitch, making Zlatan his Ibrahima bitch. But can anything stop Inter? And Champions League and Europa League. Midweek fixtures previewed. And will Unai Emery's Villarreal be the only Spanish side to qualify? We'll have all of that and more in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. All right then. Hey, listener, you're back with us on this 23rd of February or possibly after. That's your prerogative. With me here today, I have James Horncastle. Hello. Julien Laurence. Bonjour, James. Raphael Honigstein. Hello. And Alvaro Romeo. Hola, James. How are you? I'm <laughs> very well. Thank you, Alvaro. You sound excited and so am I because there's nothing more Thrilling than the days leading up to new Champions League ties. Woo! Hey, last week we got a new Ronaldo and a new Messi. What do you think Uncle Gazprom will bring us this week? (laughs) 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 A big upset this week. Big upset. Do you think? What's it going to be, Jules? Atalanta are going to be Real Madrid. That's the big upset. I thought you were going to say Lazio against Bayern. I was, if you hadn't interrupted me, I, would have, I was about to say, but Horncastle is, you know, never changes. I, I wouldn't have passed it uh, past Lazio to beat Bayern as well. That's wow. it, that's me done. Everyone beats Bayern these days, as Rafa will be telling us very shortly. What do you think the biggest surprise of last week was? Was it Dortmund's performance at Sevilla? Was it RB Leipzig's collapse against Liverpool? Or was it that PSG result? Raf. Well, for me, James, it was Dortmund actually turning up and playing a composed, balanced football game, which is not something we've seen very often. Against Sevilla's side, that looked brilliant before that game. Dortmund made them look very, very ordinary. 
And to me, it came as a huge surprise. I think Dortmund players surprised themselves just how good they were. Of course, there was shades of the old Dortmund towards the end when they kind of um, were hanging, hanging on. But by and large, it was very impressive. And of course, they followed that up with a 4-0 win against Schalke in, in the Bundesliga. So really good, good week for them. Mm, fantastic goal from Haaland. I'm sure you're going to be telling us about that very, very shortly. Jules, you had a pretty special midweek, didn't you? And then highs and lows of PSG. You got the kind of the other side of it on Sunday. Yeah, exactly. Great win against Barcelona. Um, away as well in, on, on Tuesday night with a fantastic Kylian Mbappé and the hat-trick and, and everything else that followed. And then very disappointing performance against Monaco on Sunday night, losing at home 2-0 in a game where they really never got going. PSG, Marco Verratti was a little bit injured, so he's still on the bench and he's certainly not the same team when he's in there. There was no creative midfielder. There was no momentum. They considered again a goal early and, and that was it. But you're very different from Pochettino from one game to the other, for sure. Mm. Alvaro, have you got a surprise that you think is going to happen this week? Could be in the Europa League. It could be in the Europa League, yes. If Granada beats Napoli, that's going to be a surprise anyway. Or if Granada knocks out Napoli. But uh, I think that what Jules was saying... It's kind of reasonable. I mean, if you check uh, Real Madrid match day squad to play against Atalanta, uh, I was trying to sort out any sort of lineup from it. And um, it's not very convincing. They will probably play with Vinicius, Asensio and Mariano Diaz up front against Atalanta. That's no joke. I mean, if you go to Bergamo and you play there, you better bring your A game and Real Madrid doesn't have it now. Mm -hmm. Wow, we'll get a, a fat preview on that fixture very, very shortly. Uh, let's get on to this week's stuff, though, and begin with the always concise and time-specific moment of the weekend with Paddy Power. Alvaro, you lead us off. The moment of the weekend for me was uh, Atletico de Madrid losing at home against Levante because that opens up the title race a little bit again. Real Madrid is only three points away from Atletico. Barcelona is still over there uh, with reasonable chances of... Uh, mm, you know, uh, catching up with the top of the table. But I think that uh, Cárdenas, the goalkeeper of Levante, was fantastic. He denied everyone, Joe Félix especially, on a bad day for Atlético de Madrid. So, yeah, the news is that uh, the title race is uh, spur on again in Spain, and this is very good. High Liga. High Liga, yes. Mm, very nice. Jules, what about you? has to be uh, Monaco winning at the Parc de Prince, of course. And, and as the joke went by last night... Well, the last few days in France, the Parc des Princes of Monaco, of course. And uh, and it was it was pretty impressive the way Niko Kovac set up the team, the way they played, the way they executed the plan. Uh, Sofian Diop scored really early, which I think helped them. And Axel Dissassi was amazing on Kylian Mbappé, marking him almost man-marking. And, and it was really good for Monaco, who did the double on PSG this season. Mm, just two points behind the prisons now in what is a very open Liga title race. A Rafa high Bundesliga. Yeah, it doesn't quite have the same ring to it and could be a little bit mis... You know, could be liable to be misunderstood, James. So I'm not going to repeat right, that. What, what, yes. <laughs> what is that? Misunderstood for what? What does it mean? <laughs> I don't know. It, it just sounds... doesn't quite sound, <laughs> sound right to my... Um, to my sensibilities. Um, mm. But yes, there is a title race. Um, as incongruous as that might sound, Bayern lost against Frankfurt. And 
Leipzig won against Hertha, so the deficit is only a mere two points between first and second. And Bayern and Leipzig still have to play each other in about five mm. weeks' time. So, out of nowhere, a real title race. Wow. Meanwhile, we might have seen somebody taking a decisive step towards this year's Codetto in Italy, James. Yeah, to be honest, I mean, there's still much of the second half of the season to be played, but... Inter, they won the derby uh, against Milan. They were very convincing, even though Samir Handanovic had to make uh, a couple of very big saves at the start of the second half. But four points in front of, of their Cugini, their rivals. Um, they came out of that game also 11 points ahead of Juventus, who have a couple of games in hand. Um, but at this rate, it's very difficult to see into being caught even though they remain quintessentially inter in that they, they slip up in winnable games. Um, but they've got all week to prepare for these games now. Rest, recover, game plan. Um, and we all know how Conte makes treasure out of not being in any other competitions other than the league. They're out of the cup, they're out of Europe. Um, it really feels like it's Inter's Scudetto to lose now. Mm. All right. Much more on all those stories to come as we get underway with this Totally Football Show European edition. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. Defences may be looking shaky at the moment, but Paddy's offers are rock solid. If one leg of your 4 plus fold acker lets you down, get a free bet. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg. Online exclusive, no shot bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. <laughs> Yes, listener, that's the sound of Atletico getting beaten this weekend for only the second time in La Liga this season. They lost 2-0 to Levante. They are, of course, Atletico facing Chelsea this Tuesday evening. First off, Levante, though, they've now won away at Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid in the space of a month, and they also drew at home with Atleti last week. Alvaro, who are these guys? Well, and they are in the Cup semi-finals. So let's see uh, what they do in the second leg, leg of the Cup semi-final against Athletic Club because they got the draw at San Mamés. So yeah, Levante are a good team this season. They have had a long project under this manager Paco, who happens to be a manager who does a lot of micromanagement. Uh, I recommend everyone to watch the documentary on La Liga in Amazon because it uh, delves into Levante and it's very interesting to see the way he works, uh, Paco. And then they've got quality players there. I mean... Enis Bardi, the North Macedonian international player, he's one of the best set-piece takers in La Liga. Morales, el comandante, at the age of 33, he's turning 34 this year. He's one of those players that, when he is inspired, is capable of giving a torrid time to the best defenders as well. And then a number of players that are on board there, like, for example, De Frutos or or Roger Martí, they are having a really good season going forward. So yeah, uh, this Levante team is no surprise to anybody. Uh, there has been a gradual improvement, but beating Atletico de Madrid and especially getting four points of Atletico de Madrid in the last five days is something very impressive, no matter how good Levante are. De Frutas uh, almost scoring from the halfway line as well late on in this. Yes, exactly, because uh, Jano Black uh, went uh, for a header in uh, the last minutes of the game and uh, yeah, uh, De Frutos found uh, an open target and he scored the goal. And uh, Simeone uh, was uh, not that uh, 
sad or that, that angry this time after being beaten by Levante because uh, Atletico did everything they could to score. It was just not the day. Uh, Joe Felix missed a lot of chances. The injuries are uh, piling up for Atletico de Madrid and this, get, this is getting quite annoying for Simeone because he has to change his system and more importantly, he has to take out from their preferred positions to some key players. For example, Marcos Llorente is probably the best attacking midfielder now in La Liga in terms of uh, statistics. And he has to play where Kieran, Kieran Trippier plays because Trippier is still suspended. Same thing happens on the left. Um, Yannick Carrasco, uh, the Belgian player, was phenomenal, for example, back in November against Barcelona. He is not ready to play against Chelsea and uh, this affects the whole team structure because some good players, they have to be deployed into those wide positions and the team uh, suddenly loses consistency in the middle, especially in the backbone. And that's the reason why Atletico is conceding so many goals lately. Mm. Seven games without a clean sheet now for Diego Simeone's side. They've only had one win in the last four in La Liga. Are they going to blow this title, Alvaro? What's your feeling? Three clear Real Madrid. They do have a game in hand. They've got the derby coming up, but uh, not this weekend, the weekend after. Crikey, what do you think? Yeah, it's, it's difficult to guess this one. Uh, look, I thought that Atletico de Madrid could administer uh, their advantage much better. Uh, they had a, a good margin. And now it's going to be all down to the head-to-head encounters, which is something that Simeone and Atletico would have not desired. I still believe that Atletico is the favourite uh, because... You know, you can still expect the best from some players like uh, Joe Felix or Luis Suarez uh, or even Yannick Carrasco or Kieran Trippier when they come back. Atletico is basically holding uh, to their uh, thin squad right now and I can expect important players to come back uh, in the near future and that's going to be a booster for Atletico. So I still think that Atletico is the main candidate to win the title, but of course... A month ago, it looked like uh, it was an 80% yes, Atletico was going to be the title and it doesn't look like this anymore. All right. Okay. They did have Moussa Dembele making his debut uh, this weekend. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if he in any way features in the clash Tuesday night against uh, Chelsea in Bucharest. Uh, Real Madrid, as we mentioned, three points behind Atleti. Now Barcelona only creeping one point closer because they also blew their fixture at home to Cadiz. Uh, a 1-1 draw. It hurts more than the defeat to PSG, said Ronald Koeman afterwards. Yeah, he said that he was more disappointed, even more disappointed than against PSG. Look, I think that there is an acceptance right now at Barcelona that the, the club is, is very ill in every possible department. Uh, the, there is no president, uh, there will be elections in a month time. There, uh, the squad has promising young players and veteran players who don't make the difference in the big games. We saw that against PSG again. And... Uh, I think that uh, this is everything that Barcelona can give at the minute, but you expect them to beat Cadiz. They couldn't score the second goal, and that was uh, something that uh, affected Barcelona because Cadiz, during the game, they didn't do much. I mean, they had only a 20% possession. But yeah, uh, one ball was sent uh, to Barcelona's box, pretty much uh, needing the end of the game. Uh, Clement Lenglet, the Frenchman, uh, did a silly penalty. Uh, actually, this is not the best season of Lenglet in, at all. And uh, yeah, Cadiz scored uh, the, the equaliser, which, by the way, was the first penalty that Cadiz had taken this season. So yes, it was a very disappointing result for Barcelona because if they beat Cadiz, they could have been like Real Madrid, only three points away from Atletico de Madrid with Atletico with a game in hand. And now it looks like they have uh, lost the chance to put themselves up there with the best. Atletico Madrid against Chelsea in Bucharest. Who's got Atleti for this? Who's got Chelsea? Jules? 
I've got a good draw for the first leg, which I think would be a good result for, for Chelsea. Uh, but I, th I think that tactically and, and with the players missing at Atleti, it's a good opportunity for Tuchel and Chelsea to do something very interesting there. So I would, I think, I think, I think Chelsea will get something out of this game. Okay, Rafa? Yeah, I agree. I saw actually um, Atletico play Levante and I was not impressed on Saturday at all. I thought they were very, very underwhelming, both defensively and in attack. Um, so I think Chelsea can really expose them. James? Yeah, I'm quite curious, actually. I think, um, you know, one of the aspects that we've seen Tuchel bring to this this Chelsea side is that they've, he's, you know, with the exception of the weekend against Southampton, they've been pretty hard to break down, pretty hard to score against. So I think it'll be a pretty tight game, first leg. Um, so, you know, I'm maybe not expecting a good draw in the same way that uh, that Julian is. I think it'll be uh, a bit of a grind. Uh, I think one for uh, one Michael Cox will no doubt enjoy writing about for the site on uh, when is it Wednesday morning or whatever. Mm. So the game the commentators will be describing as fascinating. <laughs> Uh, Neighbours Real Madrid are also in Champions League action this week. On Wednesday, as mentioned, they visit Atalanta. We'll be hitting that sweet, sweet bit of action next. We're all driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to the Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Woof. Atlanta against Real Madrid on Wednesday. It's the first meeting between these two sides, and of course it is, because where, where would they have met before now? Atlanta, while Real Madrid were beating Real Valladolid this weekend, were having something a little bit more spectacular, weren't they, James? Yeah, they absolutely thumped uh, Napoli in the second half. I mean, that's not difficult these days. Napoli are in crisis. Alvaro alluded to it in that defeat to Granada. Uh, we'll have to see whether Rino Gattuso lasts much longer um, because it certainly feels like something's broken there. But, you know, Atalanta, four different goal scorers. Um, it feels like they're going into this game in exactly the kind of form that they need to be in order to, to get uh, a result. Um, you know, we saw in the group stages they were capable of going to Liverpool and winning at Anfield, capable of going to Ajax and winning at Amsterdam. Mm. Also capable of losing at home to Liverpool five nil. So, <laughs> yes, but that was that was the turning point of the season um, in many respects because it kind of precipitated the fallout between Gasparini and Papu Gomez. I um, mean that Gasparini made the decision that you know they couldn't play like they had done um, before. They needed some more ballast in midfield. They had to be a bit more robust. They couldn't carry Papu, and you know that led to 
the altercation at halftime in the Michelin game. And since then, they've really kind of, on the whole, they've tightened things up. Yeah, there are the odd games where they have, you know, like the Torino game where they were, what, 3-0 up and then ended up drawing 3-3, uh, where they, they, they were still playing maybe with their heads on uh, on the cup, I think. It was the Coppa Italia midweek because they're in the cup final for the second time in three years. Um, but I do feel like they're going into this game in great form. I mean, Luis Muriel has gone from, you know, a player who'd come off the bench and score to starting for them. He scored in nine consecutive starts for them. And this all-Colombian front two that they've got of him and Duvan. I mean, Muriel is scoring goals, the like of which, yeah, the difficulty rating is so high and yet he keeps doing it. It's not a kind of flash in the pan. He was uh, he was rampant in this win against uh, against Napoli. I mean, he had a goal and assist, and if you like these kind of things, a couple of pre-assists as well. Mm. Um, and when you look at Madrid's problems, as Alvaro said, no Ramos. I think Benzema is, mm. is going to forfeit this game he, as well. He, he is not, he, Benzema is out of the list as well. Yeah, so it's another great chance for for Atalanta to to, to really do something. Um, so you know, I'm I'm actually actually quite confident. I mean, I, I don't think there's a player in Europe who has a better goal per minute ratio than Muriel this season. I think it's one every 53 minutes. Um, so um, so yeah, look out, look out, because uh, Gasp and his team, you know, his bomb squad, uh, are coming again to trap one of Europe's greats. James, I think it's worth telling you what's going to be Real Madrid's lineup, uh, just to for you to see how. Uh, needed they are. I mean, Thibaut Courtois, Lucas Vázquez, Nacho, Varane, Ferland Mendy, Kroos, Casemiro, Modric, Asensio, Vinicius, Mariano. On the bench, there is only one player from the uh, that you would know of. Uh, it's Isco. The rest of the guys are from the second team. So mm. this is the way Real Madrid, Real Madrid uh, will land at Pergamo to play this game against Atalanta. How big a defeat do you think Real Madrid can get away with in this first leg and still come out of this? Or, or what do Atlanta need to do while they've got Real apparently at their mercy? Well, I think that it would be very important to keep Real Madrid from scoring. I mean, that could be, that could be fantastic for Atalanta. And actually, Real Madrid, uh, they could be dangerous now in the set pieces because Casemiro yeah, is uh, hunting one or two uh, balls in the air. Varane uh, can do that as well, but uh, they are not... Uh, a menacing scoring force at the minute, and especially not without Karim Benzema. So whatever involves Real Madrid not scoring, I think that it will be a very good result for Atalanta because we know that Atalanta at uh, Valdebebas in Madrid, they're going to attack as well. Their mindset is not going to change. Mm. Stopping Real Madrid from scoring might be a bit of an issue because Atalanta don't really do clean sheets. And generally speaking, are they actually, the Bergamaschi, are they actually the, exactly the kind of opposition that a Zidane in, in some difficulty might enjoy playing because they're so open? Perhaps. Um, I do think uh, Atalanta have have learnt uh, how to you know, kind of close games out and shut teams down uh, better. I mean, Matteo Pessina, for example, who's really come in for... For, for Papu, who's shown himself able to to score goals, but also just you know add uh, that little bit more steel um, to that midfield of Remo Freuler uh, and Ma- Martin Darun, um, Darun, who's really tactically disciplined. But I do think you know you are right. I mean, uh, what Alvaro said about Atlanta's mentality and how not on Italian it is, um, but yeah, they they won't really make all that many compromises on how they play you know they will they always want to score it doesn't matter where they go they want to win and that that means they will take risks that I would say maybe Antonio Conte wouldn't take or 
um, Andrea Pirlo wouldn't take. Um, and that, that, that has been rewarded in them going further in cup competitions, not only abroad, but in, 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 uh, in the Coppa Italia as well. Um, so I think, I mean, this, this, this has everything to be the best game of this midweek. Um, you know, even even a debilitated Real Madrid, I think, will will see their opportunities to score some goals, and um, and and their weaknesses will will allow Atlanta. I think Atlanta will look at it and think we have to go for it. We have to take advantage of of, of the fact that Madrid have so many players out, um, which yeah should be it should be amazing. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, only just to to complete something on Real Madrid, uh, there is something about them that. Uh, reveals itself uh, very rarely uh, lately, but at the same time, it's in them. I mean, when Real Madrid gets in uh, a professional mode, they are very, very, very difficult to break down. And uh, that happened uh, from June until July uh, last season. They won the league like that, and they have done it this season occasionally. I mean, they have prevented Sevilla from beating them. They have prevented Atletico from beating them. Same thing with Barcelona. So I know that going forward, Real Madrid are... uh, going to suffer this time because they don't have any um, top category scorer right now. But at the same time, there are a few players in there like Varane, Casemiro, Modric and Toni Kroos, a historic midfield line for Real Madrid that they know how to do in this game. So I think that in the interest of Real Madrid, the best thing that can happen to them is that they control the game a little bit more than uh, opponents do against Atalanta. If they control the game, I think that they have a chance because Real Madrid, when they control it, they know how to rest with the ball, which is something that Barcelona doesn't know how to do right now, ironically. But Real Madrid know how to do that. Interesting. All right, well, that's coming up on Wednesday. Uh, just a quick mention for Zielinski's goal from Atlanta's match of the weekend, the uh, 4-2 win there at the Gewiss Stadium. Jules, you're nodding. Would you like to describe it for the listener? Yeah, it's, uh, he's got his back to goal and there's a ball coming over and he just let the ball coming down and on the turn he volleys it, which is harder to do than the Lewandowski goal that we saw last weekend where he chested it first and then volley on the turn, which is easier to do because the ball obviously slows down than if you just let it go. And volley, so Zelinski deserves, I think, uh, a lot of praise for that. W- wonderful goal, but pointless in the end because they still lost the game. But that was a very special goal. Very special. Was it more special than Haaland's goal for Dortmund, Rafa? Ooh. There was a better goalkeeper in goal, that's for sure. Oh, I don't think anything beats Haaland's goal from no. this weekend. Oh, come on. The artistry, the execution. Sabitzer is a better goal than Haaland. Sabitzer is a hundred percent better goal this weekend than Haaland. Versucht mal, Sabitzer ist plötzlich drin, Traumtor, draußen des Monats aus 88 Metern oder so. Ich weiß nicht, wie weit es war. Sabitzer is nice, but how many of those actually go in? Like a shot I know, from but Langer, why is Langer doing in goal? The ball bounces off like on the line near him. I mean, it takes forever to go down. I mean. Jules, remind me of the Sabitzer goal. It's a strike from 30 yards, like a thunder strike. I still yeah, think but anyone that... can hit them, Jules. Even I've scored mm. goals like that. I just, you know, you just <laughs> hit and hope. I mean, with, with Haaland, so I mean... You haven't. I'm just saying that... <laughs> the, I'm just the PlayStation. saying that Haaland volley, volley is great, but it's not top corner. It's nothing. The ball is... is almost in the middle of the goal and the goalkeeper is taking for a long time to react. That's what I'm saying. But it's a great goal from Haaland. I prefer Sabitzer personally. 
pretty good goals in the Milan derby at San Siro, of course. We'll be hearing about that very, very shortly. Uh, but next up, time to put on your most concerned face, listener, as we ask, what's up with Bayern Munich? Oh, mate, keep going. We're almost there. Oh, the legs have gone. Pressing is hard. The weather is so mentally fatigued. All right, lads. Already on the way down, are you? How was your view from the top? <laughs> Liverpool might have peaked under Klopp, but at Paddy Power, if things aren't going your way, we'll give you your money back as a free bet if one leg of your fourfold acre lets you down. Paddy Power! Max free bet £10, min on 1 to 5 on each leg, online exclusive, exclude shop bets and enhanced match odds. T's and C's apply, it's in plus, On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Bayern beaten this weekend 2-1 at Eintracht Frankfurt. Eintracht Frankfurt, who are now 11 Bundesliga games unbeaten, who won this one without the services of Andre Silva, who is the league's second top scorer behind Lewandowski. How do you say second top scorer, Raf, in the Bundesliga? Second top scorer? Um... Yeah. Is it like Vice? It'd be like Vice Kapokalanier. Vice Torschützenkönig. There you go. That's Vice Torschützenkönig. Okay, uh, listener Ryan Clayton says, a word from Rafa on Frankfurt's amazing form of late. Any standout players from the squad who might be touted for a big move in the summer? Also, Tony Robertson says, will Eintracht Frankfurt make the Champions League places at the end of the season? What are the key reasons they're doing so well this season? Ooh, all of this in one word, that's going to that's gonna be tricky. One of those were two different, two different uh, yeah. But you take as many right. words as you like, Rafa. It is an athletic podcast after all. <laughs> uh, standout players I mean the way they're playing at the moment you can go through the entire team and think they're pretty outstanding I guess Philip Kostic is probably the most talented um, players there he's sort of a number 10 can also play on the wing um, since Luka Jovic has returned from Real Madrid he's gone to another level he's been playing really really well uh, but also Andre Silva up front I mean he scores a lot of goals he wasn't available in the game for the game on Saturday uh, with the back injury but he's been he's been wonderful and there's a whole raft of clubs now interested in him really elegant sort of number number nine that can play a little bit as well on the on the ground so yeah but it's it's the team it's the ethos it's the way that they press together under Adi Hütter and they play with sort of real personality and muscle really good good team to watch and do you reckon they will? They'll hang on to that top four spot for the uh, for the rest of the season. I'd like to think so. I mean, Dortmund are coming back strongly, and I think there's still a chance that Dortmund might catch them. Leverkusen are a little bit inconsistent as as they often are. So I think at least one of the two spots between Bayern and Leipzig, or Leipzig and Bayern, will will be available. And then I think Frankfurt and Wolfsburg have a great chance of, of both making it. I still think Dortmund will sneak in. So one of the two will be able to mm. hold on, I reckon. OK, Leverkusen currently five points behind the, or off the top four and uh, Dortmund a point further away. As for Bayern Munich, as you mentioned before, Rafa, their lead has been cut to just two points over RB Leipzig. Leipzig, who had a 3-0 win away at uh, Hertha Berlin. That's their fourth victory in a row in the league. Bayern, meantime, since coming back from Doha, haven't looked like quite the same thing, Raf. No, I mean, even before going to Doha, Bayern have, have been sloppy and a little bit out of sorts. And they often start games very slowly. They were down against Bielefeld 
uh, 2-0. Then they came back from that game but drew 3-3. Against Frankfurt, the same story. They were down 2-0. They could have drawn 2-2, maybe even won the game. But you cannot give the opposition a head start all the time. And just a, a combination of, of, of errors, of injuries. Bayern are not quite the same, not quite the same team. And going into the, the game against Lazio, you wonder, you know, if this is one of those occasions where once the floodlights go on, we see Bayern focus and, and play very differently. But at least in terms of personnel, you know, there's a chance that they might not be able to because there's no Müller, there's no Gnabry at the moment, uh, there's no Douglas Costa. Uh, so they're little, especially up front, they're a little bit susceptible to that kind of stodginess that has crept into their game. There's not a lot coming from the bench. Underwhelming at the moment. I, th- I still think they'll be okay against Lazio, but right now you wouldn't fancy them to defend their title in the Champions League. Right, a Lazio team who had to scrape by against Bruges in their final group game to make it to the, the last 16. I can understand how you'd feel that way, but they're on a good run at the moment. This game will see uh, the two top kind of golden boot contenders, certainly the top two in the golden boot race from last season, a face-off, Chido Immobile and Robert Lewandowski. Not sure how they're in the same sentence, but you know they are. Uh, Immobile actually pipped Lewandowski to the European golden shoe last season. Again, not quite sure how that that happened, but uh, James, you can maybe explain. And what, what do you think? Are Bayern going to be okay against the uh, Laziali? Well, Lazio are in great form. They've won eight of nine games in 2021. Um, you know, the only defeat that they've suffered was well, in the league was uh, against Inter last weekend, when, to be honest, they did actually play very well uh, for the first hour or so. Um, Immobile is in that conversation, I suppose. I mean, three times top scorer in Serie A. I mean, uh, there aren't many players who've done that. Um, you know, he's he's done it with two different clubs as well. Torino, that's why he got the the move to Dortmund uh, in the first place. He was very good against them in both the games uh, in the Champions League group stage. I mean, very decisive in the first game at the Olympico, which was the 3-1 win, which really set the tone for their uh, their progress through the group, which, let's not forget, was really hampered by COVID-19 tests. You know, are they positive? Are they not? Um, which yeah, is, is still subject to investigation. Um, and I think one of the things that Lazio have really got going for them is A, the coach, who is very pragmatic, flexible. Um, you know, he will do what uh, needs to be done in order to, for them to get a result. They've got one of the best midfields in City. I mean, they've got a better midfield than Juventus, for example. Luis Alberto, Lucas Leiva, Milinkovic. I mean, particularly Luis Alberto is having his best season. It's a mystery why he's not in the Spain squad. It's a mystery why he's not at a bigger club. Um, because he's consistently the led Serie A in assists. Only Immobile has scored more goals than him for Lazio this season, certainly in 2021. He's had a really good turn of the year. And then you've got Milinkovic, who is like, you know, has often been spoken of as the Ibrahimovic of midfield players in that, you know, he's this tall, physical guy who, you know, if Bayern press Lazio, Pepe Reina will just ping it onto Milinkovic-Savic's head and he'll knock it down for someone and they'll go on transition. Um, but he's also got the skill, finesse to score from distance, to pick out the final ball. He'll always be at the far post for a mis- mismatch uh, against the fullback or whoever it is. So they've got they've got variation to their attack where they can hurt teams. My concern with them is that you know it's yeah it's Bayern. 
<laughs> um, and you know that might be enough on its own. Um, right. And they've also got injuries at the back. You know, I mean, they're they're missing their experienced left-sided centre back uh, Stefan Radu, who isn't a big name, but is is very important tactically to how they play. Wesley Hutt, when he's you know been back from Southampton, has been pretty disastrous. You know, he gave away the penalty against Inter. Um, you know, he was at fault when they went out of the cup against Atalanta. And they brought in Matteo Musacchio from uh, from Milan in January to provide cover because they keep getting injured on the right side of that defence as well. So, you know, all those things bearing in mind. I mean, Lewandowski and Thomas Muller. I mean, I looked at this in, with uh, with the Milan derby in mind because Lautaro and Lukaku have scored thirty goals between them this season, and the only better double act when it comes to scoring goals at any team in Europe's top five leagues is. Lewandowski and Thomas Muller, they're the only ones who've scored more. So, you know, I'd, I'd expect that back three of Lazio has to come under some significant pressure, um, despite this indifferent form that uh, Bayern have been in. But Thomas, Thomas Muller won't be playing. No, sure, Thomas but, Muller. you know, I mean... And, uh, also, and also, don't forget that while Simone Inzaghi could take a lot of players off after an hour in the game against Sampdoria because they were so much in control, Bayern were chasing the game at Frankfurt. They had to, you know, they pretty much, they could not rest players or, or take them off for the last half hour and I think physically like we've seen already so far in this Champions League the the, the, the fitness will have a huge impact on a game like this especially so I you know I, I think Bayern have obviously favourite going into a game like this but I'm sure Lazio certainly on the first leg have a big count to play Wow Perhaps uh, tenser times than would have been expected when the draw was made for Bayern Munich as they head to Rome a Tuesday night Before we move on Rafa any thoughts on Leipzig's collapse last week against Liverpool? Did they collapse? I mean, yes, they defended very, very badly and conceded stupid goals, but I don't think they were that bad um, no. in the whole game. Um, I think Liverpool made them look pretty impotent by, by shutting down their attacks. We know that Leipzig have a problem scoring because they don't quite have the same outstanding personnel up front that they have perhaps in other areas, but... No, I don't think it was a particularly bad game um, from from Leipzig. I just think people still underestimate Liverpool a little bit because of their recent problems and just somehow thought that Leipzig going to completely wipe the floor with them, which I don't think was a was a realistic expectation. If you remember, James, yes, on this mm. very pod, yeah, yeah, last week, yeah, here we go, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you want some? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said that Liverpool should be seen as favourites. Right, and we'll we'll go through. So, okay, you, you should have known. Well, indeed, well, indeed. And next up, two big derbies this weekend. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. Sancho, Reus, Brand auf der linken Seite. Brand links am Strafraum noch einmal zurück zu Sancho. Jetzt kommt der Ball auf Holland. Seitfallzieher, Tor! Was ja! für ein klasse Treffer! Was für ein tolles Tor! Yep, two big derbies this weekend, that's right. One was in the Ruhr, where Dortmund followed up that severe win with a 4-0 victory over Schalke and that Revier derby. And the other one was at San Siro. Of course, that's coming up in a second. First of all, though, Rafa, we've waxed eloquent about the Haaland goal, which, if you haven't seen it, everybody, sees the 
the massive teen leap into the sky and perfectly execute a kind of flying scissor kick, uh, which, you know, sails into the net. Fantastic. He got a brace, as usual. He's now on 17 goals in 17 Bundesliga games this season, five in his last three games. Uh, afterwards, he celebrated by actually speaking to the interviewer in the post-game press section. And so did Jaden Sancho, uh, which caused some surprise because he sounded like this. You know, the, the recent weeks haven't been so good and we haven't got the results we wanted. But I think we showed the fans in the last two games that um, we're still fighting and it's not over to the end. And, what have they done you know, to Jaden Sancho in yeah, Dortmund, Rafa? I don't know. I, I think he was speaking to Norwegian television. Maybe he just thought, you know, I'm, I'm just going to speak a little bit differently so they can understand me better. It uh, seems to be one of those unconscious human traits that you want to sound like the person you speak to. Who are you trying to sound like right now? <laughs> is this your real voice or are you just making it easy on us uh, my real voice is 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 different this okay. is my, <laughs> my broadcast <laughs> voice but is it like Dermot Gallagher for example who just knows that the full the full might of his Irish accent will destroy British eardrums so professionally has to turn it down is that is that what happens Jules for example do you speak in an entirely different voice do you do a kind of simplified version for us no, no, I don't. But remember Joey Barton when yes. he was in Marseille. As I said yesterday, I make one tackle and all everybody speaks about is this tackle. Nobody speaks about uh, a 50-yard pass that kills Balmon and, and it causes a red card for him. Obviously, did it, uh, did it once. Steve I think Steve McLaren. And yeah. Steve, yeah, of course. Steve did it when Steve. he was... Uh, uh, <laughs> I sort of knew uh, when I came here and uh, Champions League... Uh, Liverpool or Arsenal I thought maybe one of them we would draw and uh, it is Arsenal I think I was curious I reckon Jules I reckon Jules is just putting on the whole French shtick in reality he's got like a really strong Welsh Welsh accent right how how long has Jaden Sancho been in uh, Dortmund now Raf? three years Right, so it could actually, have, you know, not have not to... enough to not enough to develop an Norwegian accent, I think. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But... How long does it take? <laughs> anyway, they, they, this is something we can look into an, another time. But a, a great result for Dortmund, less so for Schalke, who remain rooted to the bottom of the Bundesliga despite the arrival of Christian Gross uh, as their manager. Uh, now, almost as emphatic as that four 0 win was Inter's victory in the Milan derby. Uh, James, first of all, loads of attention pre-game on the fact that it was going to be Lukaku and Ibra face-to-face after their fallout in the Coppa Italia quarter-finals. Would it be fair to say that only one of them showed up, though? (laughs) No, I don't think it would be fair to say that um, because Latan could have had a couple of goals at the beginning of the second half um, and ultimately Samir Handanovic... I don't think he really actually knew all that much about the headers that were coming his way. He just had to get his body there because, you know, he ended up in the back of the net with Ashraf Hakimi. I mean, they were point blank. Um, And, you know, you wonder how the game would have changed had one of those goals gone in because, you know, Milan came out uh, like a team possessed uh, in the second half. And unfortunately for them, Inter then picked them off right at their best moment with a fantastic move. Um, involving nine players, um, Ericsson, Perisic involved. I mean, that's been one of the surprises of, of Inter, um, certainly since the turn of the year. You know, Ericsson's bags were packed. He was supposed to be on his way out. I mean, the club weren't making any secret of the fact that they would listen to offers for him. 
those offers weren't forthcoming. Um, and Conte has sort of been able to reintegrate him into the team um, in a new role, you know, kind of playing as a, a number eight in midfield. Um, yeah, Conte says, you know, he's had his come to Jesus moment or come to Conte moment insofar as that, uh, yeah, he's finally sort of buying into what Conte wants from him. He's fit uh, like he, he wasn't in the past. Um, and Perisic is another one. Yeah, I mean, Perisic was on loan with treble winning Bayern um, this time last season because Conte didn't believe that he could be uh, he could reinvent himself either as a second striker, as a wing back. He's played really well as a wing back in the last few weeks. Was probably their best player, particularly first half uh, against Milan. And you know, all these things have come together for for Inter. But then again, it maybe shouldn't be all that much of a surprise given the amount that they've invested in the team and given the current state of play, which is, as I mentioned at the top of the show, they're able to rest and recuperate for a week between games, whereas their rivals can't. And yeah, it's been a very good six weeks, I would say, for Inter. You know, they've beaten Juventus, um, they've beaten Lazio, uh, they've beaten Milan. Okay, they've gone out the Coppa Italia, but I think the, the, the trophy that really matters to them, apart from the Champions League, is to be champions of Italy again. Um, and... They look poised to do that. I know it's early to say that, but I think um, with with Lukaku and Lautaro in this kind of form, Lukaku, I, you know, has kind of proclaimed himself to be in the top five strikers in the world. You you watch his last two performances um, against Lazio and Milan, big games in Italy, and it's kind of hard to dispute that. Really, I mean, the the, the way he is uh, dominating games and and being able to score goals from you know, runs from inside his own half. Uh, just not afraid to take on defenders, see a weakness, pick on it, take advantage of it. I mean, does it time and again, but yeah, I mean, he set up the first goal with a really smart cross. Um, yeah, he's he's just a complete, a complete striker at the moment. Mm, scored the third one to make it four straight Milan derbies that he's found the net in. Yeah, I wonder how much uh, of I am going to prove you wrong there is in Lukaku because... Uh, in the past, I read interviews to, to the guy, and he was saying that he always wanted to prove the doubters wrong, uh, even when he was a child. And at Manchester United, he didn't live the best possible way. So I don't know how much of self-vindication there is in Lukaku, because I believe that he's playing like a, in a mission to prove that he's one of the best strikers. It's like he wants to vindicate himself all the time, and he did it in front of Ibra. Uh, when he scored his goal, uh, he was shouting in, in one of the corners, what was that, Dio, Dio? To Ibra the other day? He, he was shouting, I mean, he was shouting in the Ibra's direction, it looked like. But uh -huh. from the from the lip read that I saw on Dizone, we, which was which was showing it in But you can there. hear him on, on, you can actually hear it. Unfortunately, the commentators talk over most of it, but you can hear him going, Dio, Dio, which seems to be a reference to uh, Ibra's comment that Milan doesn't have a king, but it does have a god. I, I am that. Yeah. 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 But I mean, I think... Uh, Listening to the the, the on-field mics without Com speaking, mm. um, that was on Italian TV. It seemed that he was saying, "Give me the ball straight away. Give me the ball. And this is what I can do." You <laughs> to one of his teammates. Oh right, okay. So, so you don't think he was calling out Ibra? Uh, no, I don't. I, I don't actually. Um, I think maybe he initially was, but certainly the way the the final comment seems, if you give right. me the ball like that, you know, I will sh I, I will do this with it. You. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer so, the version where he was, but with his hands, he shows the ground, and then he shows almost like said, "This is mine. This is my turf." And that—that's mm -hmm. where I thought 
the dig to Ibra was. He was almost looking at Ibra saying, this is yeah. my place, this is my home. Right. And you could see with his fingers pointing down and pointing to his chest. And I thought maybe that's when he was trolling him a bit. Right. Well, so San Siro belongs to uh, Lukaku, but San Remo uh, belongs to Zlatan because <laughs> Milan, while they lose the lead in, in Syria, uh, now have their, their main goal threat heading off to host uh, or, or share the hosting duties at the world's most bourgeois music festival. The, uh, this is a crazy uh, festival story. Festival of the Canzoni, the, the San Remo, which is the, 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 I didn't realize this is kind of the progenitor of the Eurovision Song Contest. It, it was the model that Eurovision was actually built on and remains, I think, the competition which furnishes Italy's uh, entrance for Eurovision. But it's an extra. if you've never seen it, uh, first of all, don't. But what you would see if you do is this just kind of time capsule from, I don't know, the 19s, for like Saturday night TV in the 1970s of extraordinary, um, but it, and, and loads of really, really cheesy songs. I think it, it keeps real songwriting alive, James. Right. Um, and, and, you know, whether that songwriting is good or not, I mean, we are all the judges. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I think, I believe Rafa uh, mm. was uh, was a big fan of, uh, I think, was it last year's winner or certainly the, the year before, which was uh, Soldi uh, by Mahmood. No, mm-hmm. that was, that, I mean, that is a great track. There's, there's, <laughs> there's no disputing. Rafa covered it when he was a music writer. Did you go to <laughs> no, San Remo, Rafa? Been, but, but, no. In your Def Jam sweatshirt, no. Okay, but, yeah, J- James. I mean, you are right. He is he is co-hosting this with with Amadeus, an Inter right. fan. I remember being at the uh, the Milan derby last February, um, and Amadeus uh, sort of came up, uh, walked into the VIP section with his uh, blue and black custom-made uh, jacket on. Um, and yeah, Ibra signed this contract with Rai, the state broadcaster, before signing his contract extension with, with Milan at the end of last season because he didn't know what was going to happen. And so he's, he's committed to essentially appear uh, every night at uh, the, the San Remo uh, Music Festival. Whether he will do some of it via Zoom or not, right. because let's not forget, Milan have a game, uh, James, midweek in Syria, uh, whilst this is all going on. Um, so... Yeah, I think what we'll see is is Latin maybe occasionally appearing on Zoom, but uh, he he's not going to do the uh, the pendolino as they say, go up and down the Riviera, um, train at Milanello and then basically go back uh, to be he's on not. stage. I think he he That's will be he'll be shame. he'll be at a hotel a uh, in San Remo and then maybe training training on the beach a little bit like um, no. a little bit like Rocky. I mean that would be. I mean, that'd be fantastic. And he's going to do a duet with his, his good friend, Sinisa Mihailovic, James. So, Whoa. you know, the week after when we have this podcast, I'm sure we'll find some of the audio of that to play because, you know, it's going to be one of the television events of 2021. Right. I remember Edgemundo hightailing it to go to the Rio Carnival, but that was the Rio Carnival, not San Remo Music Festival. I, I know he'd signed this contract. It just seems bizarre that he will effectively this most delicate point for Milan and the, their title race head off to the the, the Riviera uh, anyway they, Thursday night they've got a big game against uh, Ritzel Belgrade in Milan uh, 2-2 from the first leg Belgrade down to 10 men in the final minutes but still finding an equaliser one of these series of disappointing results for Milan who you will recall were beaten by Spezia last week what, what are your thoughts on their chances of sorting that one out well, Europa League is another route to the Champions League if they win it. Um, I think they did state it as an objective on the eve of the season. Um, their participation, I think, in it is one of the explanations for them fading at the moment because Pioli's, Pioli said after the, the derby that 
Um, you know, they started the season earlier than everybody else. Uh, they played six games before everybody else did because they were in the preliminaries. Okay, they were playing Shamrock Rovers, Rio Ave, uh, and Bodo Glimt, but that's still six games where they weren't resting, recovering, and whatever. Um, and then in sort of November, uh, December time, suffered a lot of injuries, COVID absences, and that meant some of the guys who uh, are kind of their, not fringe players, played more than they they otherwise would have. They're tired now, and the players who are coming back from injury, they're not 100%. And I think the other thing to bear in mind with Milan is that their January transfer window, you know, aside from Tomori, who in my opinion should be starting instead of their captain, Alessio Romagnoli, who's had a disastrous couple of games for them against Spezia and, and, uh, and Inter, uh, Mandzukic hasn't played in a year. How can you expect him to be ready um, to, to play and make an impact now? I think, you know, he's going to take another few weeks to be fit and ready. And Meite is just not good enough uh, for Milan. You know, I think, unfortunately, Benacer has had a relapse um, of the injury that he's suffered. He's such a big player for him because Tonali has been a major disappointment. Um, yeah, I think it's 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 Benacer and Kessim in midfield, and they're really, really good. And I think without them, Milan kind of kept things ticking along for a while, but I think now that's really caught up with them. So, yeah, I think they, they really have to pick this up. It's not only the game against Red Star on Thursday, James. Roma are coming up next, and all of a sudden... The race, not for the title, but certainly for a place in the top four, is really, really hotting up. It's really tight. Wow. How, how quickly things change in football. Uh, very shortly, we'll look at one or two of the other Europa League uh, second legs coming up this Thursday and then catching up with the latest on Paris Saint-Germain and that Ligue 1 title race. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Some very entertaining games last Thursday, particularly that Rangers uh, game where at Antwerp and the, the similarly kind of to and fro Young Boys Leverkusen clash. Uh, which which games are you going to be looking out for as the as the fixtures reverse this this Thursday, Rafa? Yeah, well, the Leverkusen uh, young boys one will be will be brilliant um, for all sorts of reasons. But uh, Leverkusen, I mean, if there was ever a game that kind of sums them up, then that was it. They just did not show up at all for the first 45 minutes. They were 3-0 down. They came back really strong, 3-3. Then they switch off again, 4-3 to young boys. And interesting subplot to this as well, because uh, Gerardo Suone, the um, young boys manager is in the running for being perhaps the Borussia Mönchengladbach manager when Rosa moves across to the other Borussia in the summer and a strong show against Leverkusen would do his credential no no damage at all. So that should be good. But also a fantastic game was Lille against Ajax. Uh, totally bonkers last uh, 20 minutes or so. That should be really fun as well. Yeah, with Mr. Brobby, Mr. Brobby scoring the winner, who will not be signing 
not signing a uh, contract extension and will be leaving uh, in the summer. One of the, the hottest talents in Dutch football. So mm. some disappointment at Ajax about that. 2-1, was it? That finished? You had some crazy scorelines. Hoffenheim-Mulder, that went to 3-3. A Norwegians who hadn't played a competitive game since Christmas coming back from 3-1 down. As mentioned, you had uh, the Rangers come back. They'll be talking more about uh, the second leg in the totally Scottish football show as well. Arsenal-Benfica uh, finished 1-1 in Rome, second leg. will be in Piraeus and uh, Napoli against Granada. Uh, after losing 2-0 away in that one. You mentioned, James, the, the, the way that the wheels have very much come off Napoli under Gattuso, and you credit Granada for their 2-0 win, but it does seem like this time all the different stories about Gattuso not being long for the job, etc., uh, maybe catching up with the side. Or is there something else going on? Well, I think uh, the situation between Gattuso and Napoli broke down when he discovered that they were sounding out other candidates to replace him because he hadn't signed a contract extension. Um, and the results have deteriorated really since then. Um, and uh, certainly the number of injuries that Napoli have got at the moment really piling up. I mean, Osimhen, um, you know, their 70 million uh, record signing has been back and he was he got injured badly in, in, in the weekend, was, was in hospital in Bergamo afterwards, has been discharged. Um, was discharged on they Monday. Discharged the semen. Yeah. <laughs> semen discharge. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so uh, he won't be playing. I, I think it'll be a surprise if he's playing on, on Thursday, um, <laughs> which which will be great for Granada. Um, and yeah, I mean this deficit is just is I think is too big for them to overturn. I mean they've 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 missed Mertens as well since he twisted his ankle against. Uh, against Inter before Christmas. Um, yeah, he's tried to come back, you know, but hasn't really been able to come back on a consistent basis. Yeah, I mean, if you look at their attack in the 4-2 defeat to, to Atalanta, you know, it was Elmas, Zielinski uh, and Politano um, behind, uh, behind a seaman. So, uh, you know, Politano has been in great form. He was the guy who put the ball over the top for Zielinski's goal, but I mm. think Napoli in critical condition right now and, and Granada are, are poised to take advantage. Crikey, Granada in their first season, Alvaro, in, in Europe. And they and Villarreal were the only one of the five Spanish sides to actually win last week. Yes, uh, this was uh, quite an impact in Spain. I mean, uh, I haven't said much about it, but uh, the week was very bad for the Spanish teams. And uh, Haaland and Mbappé, uh, they left the print in Spain, definitely. I mean, I can barely remember two players uh, leaving or having an impact like this in Spanish football since maybe... Henry, when he scored a beautiful goal against Real Madrid at Bernabeu. Or you have to think about Tajax when they destroyed Real Madrid in 1995 at Bernabeu and nobody could believe how good they were playing. So Spanish football suffered and Granada was one of those teams that uh, played really professionally, professionally against uh, Napoli. But I, I wouldn't write off Napoli at all. I mean, Granada has conceded 41 goals this season. They are the worst defense in La Liga. They lost against Huesca this weekend. And Huesca, uh, believe me, normally they don't score three goals even in friendlies. And they score three goals against Granada. And uh, they got so many players out as well. Uh, Soldado and Luis Milla, they are two very important players up front. And they won't be playing against Napoli. I still believe that uh, Napoli has a chance of coming back. Of course, let's see if uh, Osinghen can play because he, he can be important up front. Uh, he's got a lot of physicality. And... Uh, I do believe that Granada, all things considered, I mean, if they go through in this uh, 
eh, knockout round, I mean, they should be out soon. I mean, because the, this season they are not as good defensively as they were. But I have to say something positive about them, definitely. I mean, I thought that Europa League football was going to be too much for them. And instead of that, they have managed to go through in a group with PSV and Doven. And uh, who was the other team? Pauk de Saloniki as well. So European football Your instead team. of... Uh, yeah, my, my second team at least. I don't have a choice, James. Um, let's put it this way. Sometimes European football brings some complexes to you. And that's happening to Barcelona too. Every time they go to Europe, it's like the team feels inferior to the top teams in European football. For Granada, it's been the opposite. European football has had uh, a very nice effect on them. They invigorating. They, because they have realized they can compete against anybody, even at the European stage. But again, playing against Napoli this time is going to be really tough because, as I said, defensively, right now, they are missing something. Wow. So we, we, we could have a scenario where after this round of games, there's only Villarreal, Unai Emery's Villarreal, left in Europe for Spanish sides in the Champions League and Europa League. Extraordinary. All right. Well, uh, uh, let's move on. Uh, looking forward to seeing what happens in those second legs Thursday night. Next up, we'll wrap things up with, amongst other things, the big news from France. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Jules, Tuesday you were on a high. Sunday night, <laughs> wham. Brought you back down. Boom. Losing at home 2-0 to Monaco. Paris Saint-Germain I'm talking about. Uh, Monaco now do the double over the Parisians, the first Ligue 1 team to win both fixtures against them since Nancy, almost 10 years ago. Crikey. Yeah. The Soccer Football Forum says, really impressed with Monaco's play against Paris Saint-Germain on Sunday. Have they left it too late, the Monégasques? Or are they legitimate contenders for the title, along with Lyon, uh, Lille and Paris Saint-Germain? They're six points behind Lille, but I still think six points is nothing, considering how the season is going. What's a shame is that they dropped some silly points Against, against smaller teams, games they should have won, against Lorient, for example, very recently. But they've been pretty good in, the, in some of the biggest games, if you want, especially against the two against PSG, especially this one on Sunday night, which is not the case for PSG. If you look at PSG in this, in this title race, they, they only drew nil-nil at Lille, they lost at home to Lyon, and now they lost twice against Monaco. So they've on, only won one, one point out of 12 against the, the other teams that are in the title race against them, which is not enough. Pochettino, in nine league games, have only taken 19 points, which is the worst of any first nine games for any managers in the Qatari era. So, Do you want him out, Jules? I'll keep him for a little bit until he qualifies us against Barcelona and then he can go if you want. No, I'm kidding. No, I, I mean, I can see why it should be difficult in the league and especially in a game like this when, when you've been such on a high on Tuesday, you don't play Variety, mm. who is arguably your, your most important player when, when Neymar isn't there because he's the only one who can create something. The others, Why no didn't one he play for anything. tiredness or what? Yeah, he had a little injury, uh, the Pochettino said after the game. That's why he only started him on the bench and then he came on when the panic started to, uh, to creep in on like, uh-oh, we're going to lose this one again uh, because it's six defeats already in the league. That's, a, that, that's more than you know, any time in the Qatari era as well. So... They, they, they're only four points behind Lille, so there's, there's plenty of, of points still to win. And as we've been saying every week, you still will have a PSG Lille, you'll have a Lyon PSG, Lyon Lille. Monaco will also play Lille and Lyon. So there's, there's a lot of teams who can drop points and, and win games, etc. But, but it was very difficult and it's a lot down to how Monaco and Niko Kovac approached that game, prepared. They, 
the 4-5-1 formation works so well. They put Disassi, who's usually a centre-back, but who's really quick as a right-back, just to, to man-mark Kylian Mbappe, and he, he did a great job. They used to play against each other when they were kids, because Disassi is also from uh, the north of Paris, like, like Mbappe. Uh, and it was a great performance bread. from him. Paris born and bred, indeed. Uh, and, and, then, and then he worked really well for, for Monaco. And, and I agree with, with uh, the listener who sent the question. It's such a shame that Monaco lost a few points there and there in games that they should have won. Mm, OK, well, as it stands, Lille are top after their 4-1 win against Lorient. Three points behind them are Lyon, who were 3-2 winners at Brest. Then you got Paris Saint-Germain with Monaco two points behind them. Interesting question about how Pochino kind of uh, puts his priorities going forward because it looks like, I mean, you're well-placed to go through in the Champions League. Total Ramdata saying, does Pochino rotate for the league and focus on the Champions League if they continue to advance? Or is Paris Saint-Germain actually at risk of not even making the Champions League places as it stands? Yeah, there's a chance because there's only three out of those four who will qualify for the Champions League next season. I think he thinks that they still they are good enough and Neymar will come back in in two weeks probably and Di Maria is going to come in back next week. So they're, in, they're good enough to to finish the job against Barcelona and then see whoever they draw for the quarterfinals if they get there. But, but still win the league as well in the meantime because as we said, four points, you could come back. So that's only the idea now and Pochettino is certainly not giving up on the, on the title because even if he only arrived in January, it wouldn't be a good look for him at all if they were not winning the, the, the title this season. You know, you can say, oh yeah, but Tuchel lost four games before I arrived, but that wouldn't be good enough. You know, this is expected that they will win the title. So there's still a lot of work for him to do and certainly he would have to do a better job than Sunday. What, just quickly, what gets me about Sunday is that any of us who were watching the game on television could see that the five in midfield from Monaco were just, they were too strong for PSG and yet Pochino didn't do anything to change. He left Paredes, Herrera and Ganagay running around basically because they, they, had, they, they were bringing nothing to the game and I was a bit disappointed by his, his game management that I thought was really poor. Jules, I wonder how the French press reacted to Messi's poor game against PSG. Was there anything like... Uh, what does PSG need Messi for or something like that in the press? Not really. We were more drawn by the, the comments that Kylian Mbappe had after the game and saying how those games make him happier. And, and we've, known, we've learned since then that the, the discussions are going quite well between PSG and the Mbappe clan. So, because let's not forget that the priority for PSG is to keep Mbappe and give him a new deal. If he signs right. a new deal, I think they will try maybe to get Messi, but there will be a lot of of conditions for Messi to come and the biggest one is him to take a huge baker if Kylian Mbappe stays in Paris with Neymar. Right. So I think if Mbappe stays, it's much less likely that Messi can come to Paris than if Mbappe decides not to extend the deal and then you need to find a kind of replacement. And in that case, Messi could come and Mbappe could leave. But no, not, not too much. I think we focus more wow. on but how bad... PSG not talking about Messi? We haven't we haven't been into in contact. I don't so know what you're talking about. So disrespectful. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> disrespect about. Disrespect not talking about him what, for once. What I about disrespectfully talking about uh, Harry Kane, uh, Jules? Is, is he going to go to Paris? So you believe the Sunday Mirror now? I don't. I'm asking <laughs> you. Believe you. The Sunday Mirror? I believe you, Jules. Uh, so the Sunday Mirror says that Harry Kane would. I, I, if Pochettino, from what I was told, if Pochettino, Pochettino wants to work again with Harry Kane, I'm sure he would want to if he has the opportunity. Hmm. But that certainly hasn't been discussed at the club as well. Okay. All right, that's all it is. But that would be Excellent. great. Will it? I mean, for 
for Harry. It would be I think lovely. for PSG, for Kane, if if Mbappe was to go at some point, I mm. think you could do worse okay. by replacing him with with uh, Harry Kane. Uh, Marseille had a 1-1 draw against Nantes. They have now reportedly agreed terms with uh, Jorge Sampaoli to take over yeah. as their manager, leaving Atletico Mineiro. Uh, he got himself sent off in his final game, uh, which is nice. He went mad. Yeah, yeah he, he went mad did, when Recife scored the 2-2. Yeah, completely mad. The original man in black as well. He was dressed in black again. Mm. I wonder if he'll be the same in, in Marseille. But certainly there's, there's two things here. One, I think... He could arrive on Friday, by the way, and on Sunday they play the Olympico against Lyon, which even without fans is a, is a special game. So that could be interesting. One, I think he's the perfect fit into this, how mad the city is about their football team. And, and I think the, the whole passion and obviously Bielsa and, and all of that could work really well for Sampaoli. The problem is right now, I'm not sure he's got the players to play his style of football. So I don't know what kind of football we're going to get, but it'd be very interesting. And, and certainly it's a good thing for Ligue 1 as someone like him joins the league and joins a club like Marseille who needs, they need, they need someone like him. Let's don't forget uh, that Sampaoli is an excellent manager and at Sevilla, at the end, he didn't end up well because he, as far as I can remember, he accepted an offer from the Argentinian Federation to be the manager, the coach of Argentina. But he had Sevilla leader uh, back in October 2016 and that Sevilla beat Manchester United at Old Trafford too. So that was a very, very, very good Sevilla actually with Ben Yedder and uh, yeah, some other very special players like Samir Nasri, he got the best of the Frenchman as well. So yeah, Sampaoli is a fully qualified manager and he did great at Sevilla until Argentina called him. Well, we could be talking about his debut performance uh, with Olympic Marseille yeah. in next week's show. We shall see. Amid all the excitement, almost forgot to preview one of this midweek's Champions League games. And that is, of course, Wednesday's Borussia Mönchengladbach Man City clash. City's 19th straight win, or could Mark Arusa's side spring a whopping surprise? I think it might be a game to forget for the for Borussia Mönchengladbach. They don't seem to be right now in the right state of mind or fitness or shape um, performance-wise to live with the way that City are playing. I think it could, could get quite ugly. They lost at home to Mainz. They once again looked bad at the back they had very little going forward Lars Stindl scored but there was nothing from Turam there was nothing from you know the big players that they have up front it was just not not good and it's been like that for the last few weeks a lot of people are blaming the announcement that Rosa will go for those problems but in truth Gladbach hasn't been playing well throughout this calendar year so unless something dramatic happens and we see a huge improvement and we see them play as well as they did against Real Madrid and Inter in the group stage and against mm. Shakhtar, then I can only see one winner and I think it could get quite, quite ugly. Oh, this is the first time they've been in the knockout stages of the Champions League, although back in the old days of the European Cup, they, they got to the final in 77. They're unlikely to make the competition unless they win this one uh, for next season because they're lying down in eighth, nine points off the top four in the Bundesliga. Crikey. All right. Well, that was short, wasn't it? Short and sweet. Short and sweet. Man City are the favourites, by contrast, to win the Champions League, even though they've never been past the quarterfinals under Pep. Well, we'll get uh, further indications about their potentiality of finally taking this trophy, of course, on Wednesday. Uh, that, though, I think brings us to the end of today's Totally Football Show European edition. Unless there's anything else you wanted to treat the listener to, Alvaro, Jules, Rafael, James? 
Did you see this story in uh, Switzerland? What story is that, Jules? More the dog. Yeah, the dog. That's a great story. What in, story is that? Especially games, games behind closed doors. And yeah. it was uh, Zurich against... Hang on, let me... Uh, it was uh, Zurich against Sion. Ah, oh, yeah, against Sion. Sion, that's it. right. And what happened then? What was the dog? Uh, so the Zurich, the Zurich uh, owner and president was in the stands, obviously, watching the game with his dog. Mm. And the, the, the dog escaped and went onto the pitch and stopped the game. And the owner had to run down on the pitch from the stands to grab the dog on the pitch <laughs> so the game could restart. Brilliant. So Cookie, Cookie is the name of the dog. So uh, well done, No, Cookie. Chilla. Chilla. Right, well, more on <laughs> well, the breaking I, story. I read, I read Cookie. <laughs> anyway. Discrepancy here. It's definitely chiller. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Alvaro and James and Jules and Rafa. I think it's Cookie. Right. (laughs) Do you accept Cookie, Rafa, or not? No, I don't. I'm I'm reading Cookie now. I'm reading Cookie on L'Equipe website. And Silo Canepa is the owner of Zurich. Yes. Pretty certain, Charlie, if you could just fade them out. And I'll say goodbye to everybody. We're we're going to be back with Thursday's Totally Football Show, in which we'll be reviewing uh, which midweek games have already happened by that point. And then next Tuesday, of course, the boys will be back together to bring you all the latest from the wonderful world of the Continental Game. For now, many, many thanks for being with us to Alvaro, uh, James, Julian and Rafa, and you especially, listener. Hope you have a great week and we'll catch up with you soon. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and follow us at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.